Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Second Timothy chapter number four and verse number six is where we'll be. Second Timothy four and verse number six. And we'll read this together and then we'll be seated. The Bible says this, Paul speaking, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Father, would you bless your word to our hearts, uh, just as the physical food that we eat. Lord, would you take this, this your word, and would you bless it to our hearts? Would you strengthen us with it, and would you guide us and give us uh, nuggets of truth that would guide us and uh, give us direction throughout this week, we pray. We also just lift up our brother Jeremy. We ask that you be with him at this time, that you be near to them, and that you would give wisdom to those that are seen to his physical needs, that you bring healing, and that you would, uh, that you would just enable them to, uh, to go through this trial together and find your grace to be sufficient. So we pray for the whole family and ask your blessing upon them. Thank you for what we've already heard tonight, the prayer letters, the children, and the Lord also just the testimonies of how you work in our hearts, and we thank you for what you did over in our hearts as men over the last uh, couple days, and we just pray that we would continue to walk in the strength of those truths. Bless us tonight with your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's be seated. So I split this passage of scripture into two, uh, two uh, messages because last week, really, as we look at verse number five, Paul was challenging Timothy right before he gets to the end of his of this letter he challenges him but watch thou in all things endure affliction do the work of an evangelist make full proof of thy ministry and really gives him quite a a laundry list of things that he needs to be focusing on and he needs to be dealing with and this is what he needs to do with all the 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 lack of uh, a sound doctrine with all the itching ears that goes on people hastening after those that are false teachers paul wanted timothy to make sure he knew this this is what you need to focus on don't get focused on those that are, are walking away from the truth. You stay focused on what God has called you to do. And so he gives them those four items, and it really helps them to understand this is what you need to remain faithful in. And then he follows that up with, here's my life, here's my example, here's what you've seen in my life, and I want you to know about that really as an encouragement uh, to continue to do what you're supposed to do. Before he gets to the personal request, the final greetings, he, he gives these last words that are very pertinent. We understand last words are important. Last words have great meaning. Oftentimes, last words kind of represent a person who's boiled down their thought into one final thing, one final statement that is on their heart that they want to communicate before they leave this earth. This is verses 6 through, on through 8. This is his last things that he wants to say and he wants to give uh, to, uh, to Timothy as an encouragement. Now, something I want to uh, draw and uh, draw attention to in Paul's life is this. 
Um, Paul identified as a particular individual. He identified himself with a, with a statement. In fact, if you write down these, on these verses, Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, Titus 1.1, 1, 1, and Philemon 1, uh, in each of these passages of Scripture, he says something about himself that is very interesting, and it's this. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Titus 1.1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging of the truths with, uh, which is after godliness. And then in Philemon 1, he says this, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon. And so in each one of these openings, he, he said this, and it's kind of interesting to me that in, in, when he was dealing with the Corinthians and dealing with some of the more heavy-hitting topics, he came across and just acknowledged his, his, uh, his position as an apostle, as a God-called apostle to deal with the issues that were present in those churches. But to Romans, to Philippians, to Titus, as a leader in the church, and also to Philemon, he kind of highlights this, this idea that he was completely surrendered over to God. He, was, he belonged to God. He was one who did not have a right to himself. Paul used the word servants and prisoner, uh, giving the idea of one who was, was given over to. And you could put it like this. He was a bond slave to the Lord. He was someone who had resigned his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was something that he had given up to the Lord Jesus Christ. And without, without this, this thought, without this, uh, this introduction about Paul, I think it, helps, uh, it, it would cause us not to really get the full meaning of what he's saying in verses 6 through 8. And I want us to realize that Paul identified as one who had completely given himself over to the Lord. He had, no, uh, he had no attachment to his own life. He, he had completely given it over to God. He was a bond slave. A bond slave was a person who legally was owned by somebody else and whose life was not their own. Uh, their livelihood, their purpose was determined by their master. And even when he said to Philemon, I'm a prisoner of Christ, he was acknowledging the fact, I'm not mine own. I belong to Christ. I am I'm his prisoner, yes, inside this prison, and yes, it's a physical reality, but also a spiritual reality. I do not belong to myself. I am not my own. And so Paul identified in this way. His identity was, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want us to just to think about that and consider it. As we walk through this life, as we journey on our way, what is it that you think about yourself? What identifies you? Is it your job that identifies you? Is it your family that identifies you? Is it your social status that identifies you? Is it your personality that identifies you? For Paul, he acknowledged the fact, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that was important. And so how was it that Paul could come to verse number six and say to Timothy, I am now ready. I am now ready. Now think about those words. If you're coming to the end of your life, to be able to make this statement, I am now ready. I'm ready to go meet the Lord. I'm ready to step off of this earth and into heaven's glories. I'm ready to see my, my Savior. I'm ready to see my Creator. I'm ready to see the one to whom I'm accountable. Those are pretty heavy words. And it might even come across a little bit in a, in a boastful way. You know, how can you say that, Paul? But uh, Paul was able to say that for a couple different reasons. But he, he did say, I am now ready. And, 
And is that something that you can say? Are you ready to meet the Lord tonight? Are you ready to go see Jesus? I know the Christian answer to that is yes, certainly I am, but are you ready? Is your house in order? Uh, Is your affairs in order? Are you ready to go meet the Lord tonight? Are you, uh, can you say it with the Apostle Paul with that confidence? I am now ready. I'm at the point in my life where I am ready to go see the Lord. I'm ready to be, um, be done with this life, not because I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm ready. I, I, I've, I've, I've run my race. I'm ready. I think that's a pretty crucial uh, question to ask ourselves. Am I ready? And how was it that Paul could say that? I want you to notice in verse number 6, I believe that Paul was ready from this passage of Scripture because he was a presenting servant. Now, remember his, remember his identity was, I am a bond slave, I am a servant. That, that has dominated his whole life. Paul has, has shown that to Timothy, he's shown that to Titus. Everywhere he was, he showed that. Even when he was on Malta, do you remember what the, what, uh, what the Apostle Paul did when they were all gathered there after the shipwreck? Do you remember that? Do you remember what he uh, got up from the group and did? Someone tell me. He gathered wood and put it in the fire. Uh, that, that's just a small and a very practical, but that was the heart of the Apostle Paul. He was a servant. He was a servant to others. He's most of all a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ, which if we're a servant to him and a, a good servant to him, we'll be a good servant to others. And so he was a presenting servant. What do I mean by that? Uh, he says, for I am now ready to be, what? Offered. Offered. We're talking about a sacrifice here, friends. We're talking about a sacrifice. It brings back to my mind Romans 12 and verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, by the, uh, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Paul had already done that. Paul had absolutely already done that. All throughout his life, he had presented his body. He had presented his life. He had presented his future, his ambitions, his dreams, all of that. He had presented it on to God. He was a servant who said, here you go, Lord. Whatever you want from me, wherever you want me to go, I am your prisoner. Right now, I'm in this prison cell. I'm your prisoner. Right now, I'm in this place. I'll serve those that have needs. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he was a presenting servant. And he says here, I am now ready to be offered. Now, this is very significant because what Paul is talking about is not just a, another offering, another sacrifice that, that, uh, that uh, just like the sacrifices he'd been called to make all throughout his life. I mean, the beatings, the stonings there in Lystra, all the different sacrifices that he had made on behalf of the gospel and on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. This wasn't just another sacrifice. This was a final sacrifice. He says, I'm ready to be offered to sacrifice myself out as a libation. And this really is a, uh, is a picture that um, the word that Paul is using has the idea of a drink offering. Now, if you go back to the, on the book of Numbers and you find in there in Numbers chapter number 15, you'll see uh, verses 1 through 10 uh, a little bit about the drink offering. But it was the final part of the sacrifice. It was the concluding act. And when that, the, the drink offering would be poured out, it was a final act. I just want us to understand uh, tonight that Paul says, I am now ready, I, I've, I've lived my life, I'm, I've come to this point, I'm at this present moment, I am now ready to be poured completely out for the Lord Jesus Christ. I have, I have nothing to hold back, I have nothing to, to cry out for, I, I, I'm, I'm finished, I'm ready now to be poured out for him. Uh, one man said it this way, his bloody death that he was looking forward to in the sense that he was anticipating, uh, it, it compares only to the pouring out of the drink offering, the libation of wine, which was added to the sacrifice 
uh, proper and formed the last act of on the sacrificial ceremony. Just think about all the sacrifices Paul had made over the years. And now he's saying, God, I'm ready for the very final act in honor of you. I'm ready to be poured out. Friends, when you pour something out, you can't get it back. It soaks in the ground, you can't get it back. It's a, it, is, it is a total offering. And here is the Apostle Paul saying, once again, here you are, Lord. My life, and even in my, my death, that is going to be a likely a, a bloody death, here I am. I'm ready to be poured out. I'm ready to be poured out. He goes on to say that his departure is at hand, using again a, a word picture. It's the idea of loosing a ship, uh, letting it go, uh, loosing it from the, the moorings uh, on shore, loosing it and letting it go. And he says, it's at hand. I, I see it. It's already been determined. The idea was the sentence has already been given. I'm just waiting for the, it actually to happen. And he is now sitting in this, the Mamertine prison, and he's awaiting this, this his death, and he's waiting to be poured out and he says, I want this, again, to be in honor of my Lord Jesus Christ. He is a presenting servant. He is one who had presented his life as a living sacrifice and was now ready to be poured out in his death. Philippians 2 and verse number 17 says, Yea, and if I be offered, again, that word, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. This wasn't something that Paul was crying over. This isn't something that he's mourning. He says, I am, I'm ready at this point. I'm ready to be poured out for him. His whole life has been presented to God as a living sacrifice. Now is death, comparable to the pouring out of wine as the last act of sacrificial uh, ceremony will complete the sacrifice. Well, what a man. What a testimony to you and I. Be able to come to the end of our life. And in my very last act, I want it to be to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of the life of the Apostle Paul here as, as being, in, in a great way, Christ-like. I think of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane when he, when he prays, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nonetheless, thy, not my will, but thy will be done. Here I am. Here I am. How much more Christ-like can, can an individual get than to present their bodies completely to God, whatever you want, and even in my last act, I want it to be a sacrifice uh, to you and, and for your pleasure and for your, for your glory. That's the Apostle Paul. So when we have presented our own lives to him, when we are a presenting servant, we can all say, I'm ready. When I've, when I've lived my days as a one, uh, uh, living out as a living sacrifice, and even in the last act saying, I, I'm, I'm yours, I belong to you, I, I, don't, I don't hold on to this life, I completely belong to you, we can say, I am ready to go see him. That's the type of uh, person that the Lord wants us to be, Romans 12, 1. He wants us to be ones who are presenting our lives, and even in our death, back to the Lord, whatever you want of, of me. You've saved my soul, this is what I owe back to to you. And so he was just that. Now notice Paul's calmness in this moment. I'm sure there was some nerves. I'm sure there was the, the uncertainty of uh, the unknown that was ahead of him, how exactly this would go. Um, no one looks forward to death. Paul's not, not superhuman, and so it's not like he, he looked forward to death. He looked what, uh, forward to what was beyond death, but he was calm in this moment. It's, it comes out in this passage of scripture. It's very resolute, but what was that based on? And if you notice this these verses kind of take a past 
uh, a present, past, and then a future look. And so in the very next verse, we kind of notice him looking and reflecting on his life. He says, this is where I am right now. I, I'm now ready to be uh, offered to the Lord. I'm now ready to be poured out. But uh, he begins to think about what happened in the past. And so I want you to notice in verse number seven about how that he was an enduring servant. He says, he says in verse number seven, I have fought a good fight. Why don't you read it with me? Ready and begin. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He looks back into his life. This was Paul's past. What's your past tonight? Sometimes we don't like to look back to our past. Maybe there's something that isn't that glorious. Maybe you couldn't say with the Apostle Paul, I've, 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 uh, I've fought a good fight. I have, I've run my course. You know, friends, tonight, I just want you to know from where you are right now going forward, do your best to be able to say, you know, if, if you die in, in 10 years from now or in one year from now, do your best from this day forward to be able to look back and say, you know what, I fought a good fight. I, I've run the course. Don't, don't go back and keep beating yourself up. Satan wants you to look back and live in the rearview mirror. You know what happens when you drive uh, via the rearview mirror? You know what happens? <laughs> you crash. You're not going to do yourself any good by, by beating yourself up. Get right with the Lord and move on. And when Satan brings that stuff up, you've you got to go to the throne of grace and, and submit that, put it under the blood. I love the song, Nail It to the Cross. Uh, there's times that I'll, I'll just listen to that, or I'll listen to that song, uh, It's Under the Blood. Oh, praise his dear name. I'm not what I used to be. Uh, what, what a good God that we serve. He doesn't want us living in the past. Now, Paul had some past. Was he at the, the Stonian of Stephen? He was there consenting. Did he drag women out of houses? Do you think those ever came up in dreams? Do you think he ever thought about that? As he's going from place to place? Do you think he had regrets in the quiet times of his life? I'm certain that he did. But he also made a, de a, a, a determination in the book of, of Philippians that I'm not going to, I'm not going to be living in the past. I'm going to forget those things which are behind me. And I'm going to press forward to the, to the mark of the high calling, to the, to the prize of the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that was Paul's heart. And as he looked back at this moment, he could say, you know, this is what I've done. In my Christian journey, this is what I've done. And it's not boastful. There is no arrogance here. There is no, there is no uh, uh, touting of ego here. Uh, as, he, as he really uh, declares, I don't have a regret of my Christian life. I've done the best that I could. I've, I've gone forward in the grace of the Lord. And so he says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Something we need to understand about each of these statements can be illustrated by the State of the Union. When a president stands up in the uh, joint session or a, a combined session of, of, the, uh, of the houses and he gives the State of the Union, he is there to, to describe to the country and to those that have gathered. He's there to describe the present State of the Union based on past decisions and actions, right? So this is where we are because of, okay? So the idea of what Paul is saying here is this is, this is where I am because of some decisions and actions in the past. So look at, look at each one of these phrases in that way. I have fought a good fight. Uh, he could say, uh, I am now ready because I've fought a good fight. I've made some decisions. 
I've not backed down. Now, think about this good fight. Uh, he's engaged in this battle. Uh, some people might engage in battles that aren't so good. Have you ever engaged in a battle that isn't good? Maybe with somebody? Uh, do you ever feel like you've gotten in the middle of a battle and you, uh, you feel like, boy, I, I wish I wouldn't opened up this can of worms. This hasn't helped anything. Right? We, get, we get into some battles that aren't good. Uh, maybe with, uh, with our, our, our spouse. <laughs> uh, and you say, I, I need to be done with that. Uh, maybe with a, with a child. Uh, maybe with a coworker, Maybe with a neighbor. Uh, the Hatfields and the McCoys. You know, some battles that just really aren't worth it and aren't necessary. At the end of the day, it's not going to benefit anything. Maybe with a company that's, that's wronged you. But at the end of the day, uh, it's only destroying your own spirit and, and you're going to have to let it go. There's some battles that aren't good, but Paul says, I've, I've, I, I have engaged, I've, I've fought in a good battle. I have fought a good fight. I've, I've been in a noteworthy, a, a noble battle. And what is that battle? The, the conflict, the spiritual conflict. He reminds us in Ephesians 10 and verse number 12 that we wrestle not. We don't, we don't uh, engage in a battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Friends, we can engage in a battle in this day against flesh and blood. When really, it's not, it's not who is in a certain position. It is who is behind and, 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 and uh, guiding that certain position. We can get really off focus by flesh and blood right now. I mean, it's really easy. It's easy for me. It's really easy to get the wrong focus. And friends, that, isn't, that doesn't just uh, pertain to those that are in leadership uh, uh, over us. It doesn't just pertain to those that are in leadership. It, it pertains, you know what, friends... When we have somebody that is mistreating us in the work environment, do you realize that the lost people will act like lost people, correct? And sometimes we as believers act like lost people. We shouldn't do that, but we do. Uh, but the fact is when we engage against that person, when we take out a fight against that person, we're not fighting a good fight. When we realize that there's a spiritual battle that's raging for this person's soul, and I begin to be, undo battle with the real issue and not the, not the, the issue that I, I readily see on the surface, we do a good fight. Paul, did, uh, he, he stayed focused on the, the spiritual battle, the, the real battle that was at hand, and that was a noble battle. That was a noble battle. Even as we think about that quote that Brother Frank just used a moment ago, uh, talk to them less about God and uh, more to God about them. Now, how easy it is to, to, um, to begin to battle. Oh, I got to get my child, my wayward child, to see my point of view. Where's the real battle that we can engage in? It's God changing their hearts. It's God changing their hearts. And even if they're in that position because you made some, uh, uh, made some decisions that weren't right and you regret that, listen, it's still God that changes them. And so we do battle in a, in a right way. He says, I've fought the, um, the good fight. I, I've, I've stayed at it. I've been there. I've, I've done what I needed to do. And he says, I finished my course. I finished my course. I brought it to an end. And I did not try to finish someone else's course. How many of you try to run someone else's course? How does that work out? <laughs> it doesn't work out so well. But, you know, we try to, we try to uh, manipulate somebody and we try to get after them and try to run their course, make sure they're staying on the right path for God. No, he, he says, I've, I've run my course. 
I've run the course, the, the place, the, the mission that God has given me to run. I've, I've run after it. I've done the right thing in that way. I've, I've brought it to an end, and I've kept the faith. Now, this word kept is the idea of not just a guarding. That's a part of it, but it has more to do with the idea I've observed it. You know what Paul's told Timothy? You've seen my life. You've seen it all. You've been intricately involved in my life. You've seen my manner of life. What is he saying? You've seen how I've observed all things whatsoever he has commanded me to do. I've observed it. I've observed the, the message of Christ. I've observed the gospel. I've stayed true to it. I've not um, preached one thing and done another. I've stayed true to this matter of the, the faith. I have done these things. And he was given a state of the union. This is what I have done. This is where we are because of some decisions that I've made in the past. Friends, if we live just one more week, if we live just one more week, will we be able to look on this week and say, you know what, this is a state. I am ready to meet the Lord because of some of the decisions that I've made this past week. Friends, let's make that, uh, let's make that the case. And Paul was in that, in that boat. That, that's where he was. So when we endure, when we stay at it, like he was telling Timothy to do in chapter 2 and verse number 3, when we endure, when we stay at it, and we can say that I am ready I'm ready to meet the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 2. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Stay at it. Endure. Endure. That's what Paul did. He stayed at it. And was able to say, I, I have I've finished my course. I've gone all the way. There's no, there's no regrets in this. William Borden, you've heard the, the name many times, but for you that haven't, he was a, a young man that in 1904... He uh, became heir to the, the Borden Dairy Estate, which would have made him uh, quite a millionaire. And uh, he, uh, he was given as a graduation president, uh, president a trip around the world. So he's on this, this trip, and it was on this trip that the Lord began to work in his heart. And uh, he gave his heart to the Lord, and he's traveling through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe. Uh, and it gave him a burden for the world's hurting people. So he, he wrote home to his, his, uh, his family, and he said this. This is the last thing they were expecting. I am going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. And he had made that decision. And when he made that decision, he wrote in his Bible the words, no, no reserves. I'm, I'm giving it all. I'm going to present it all over to God, which meant he was turning on all that wealth. Uh, turning down the high-paying job after graduation from Yale University, which, by the way, if you remember, was a, 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 uh, was a preacher's uh, school, um, he entered in uh, two more words into his Bibles, no, no, no retreats. I'm, I'm not going back. I'm not going back on this. He completed his studies at, at Princeton, and uh, Borden sailed to China to work with the Muslims, stopping first in Egypt. While in Egypt, uh, he uh, was stricken with uh, cerebral meningitis, and he died within a month. It's been a month's time. Can you believe that? And you'd say, wow, what a, what a waste. But before he, he died... He also added into his Bible, no regrets, no regrets. And friends, Paul was at that point where he, he's looking at his life. This is what I've done. Lord led me to these moments. This is what I've done. I have no regrets. I've endured. I've presented my, uh, my life a living sacrifice to the Lord, and I have no regrets at all. Now, in the midst of the battle, there are going to be times where we want to give up. How many of you have wanted to give up before? And the rest of you really, really want to raise your hand. You just, you know, uh, no, we've all, we've all been there. We've all been there. 
uh, whether that's, that's in a you know, physical matter or a, a spiritual matter in your, in your calling. We've all, all been there. I, I'm reminded also of, of Adoniram Judson. But I want you to pay a special attention to his, to his words. He labored for six years in Burma, which is now Myanmar. Many years there. And he never, he never uh, in those six years, um, baptized a convert. He, he hadn't led anyone to the Lord in those six years. In the three years, he was asked uh, as to what evidence he had of, of, of his success. You know what? Everyone wants a missionary with success, right? And so he was asked in that same way, and he said this, and I quote, as much as there is a God who will fulfill all of his promises. As much as there is a God who will fulfill all of his promises. And you know that there are hundreds of churches, and there's churches still there in that area today that are affected by the ministry, the life and ministry of Adoniram Judson. And he believed that there was a God who would fulfill his promises. And I want you to catch something here. Judson's face was towards God. In the midst of the enduring and, and the call to endure through the hardships and through the course that God had given him there in Burma, his face was towards God, and so wasn't Paul's. His face was towards God and his heart was towards him because we see there in verse number eight that his heart goes back to his, in, 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 in reflecting or, or looking forward to the future of when he would see his Lord, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So notice there, he says, henceforth, because of this, because of my, where I am right now, I'm ready to be offered. Because of what decisions and actions I've taken in the past, I am now ready uh, to see Lord Jesus Christ. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. I want you to see here, Paul could say that I'm ready because he was an adoring servant. Paul could say that he was ready because he was an adoring servant. His past and his present were impacted by what he anticipated in the future. What he was looking forward to, and that, what he was looking forward to was simply seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't finding a, a reward for his labors and kind of being able to, to boast about that. It was seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, because notice at the end of verse number 8, he, he talks about loving his appearing, being able to, to see him finally face to face. I think about the first look that happens at a wedding, uh, uh, that, that first glimpse of the, the, the groom gets of the, the bride, you know, coming down the aisle, and many, many times they wait till the actual ceremony to have that first look, and it's a special thing, right? It's a special thing, isn't it? You all uh, were out there, and, and uh, they took a picture. Uh, Dalton and Mariah were on uh, either side of the door, and, and they, I, I think you guys uh, took a picture holding the bouquet around the edge of the door or something like that, but that, they saved that first look for, for the the wedding i remember i was standing standing there dalton and i guess where you were standing as well and and uh and and watching uh, you know watching sheila come down for the first time that first look is a special 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 thing for both sides it's a special thing uh paul says here i'm looking forward to that day I, i'm ready for that day i'm ready to see uh see him and and notice what he says here in verse number verse number eight he he talks about his lord a lot here he says, uh, he says I, I'm, ready, I'm ready to see that my Lord, uh, my master, the one who has directed me, the one who has guided me, the one who has control of my life. He calls him the righteous judge, but notice righteous. Uh, he, he calls him that, and, and he took solace in the fact and really looked forward to seeing the one who was, was absolutely righteous, holy, sinless, uh, without deceit, 
reliable and trustworthy. He is the judge, he says here, the one who, to whom I'm totally accountable, the one who knows all things. And this is the one who is going to be my rewarder. This is going to be the one who is going to give me that reward on that final day when I stand in his presence. And he mentions me. This is the one to whom is interested in me personally and, and will judge me personally and will reward me personally. And I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes you feel like a number in the world, don't you? Or a billion, uh, you know, uh, seven billion plus people on, uh, on earth. And sometimes you might feel a number, like a number at work, and you're just a number in the midst of a, a, a bigger machine, but not, not there in heaven. When you stand before God, it will be between you and him. And I think that's amazing when I think about my God. That he, that he, he knows me personally in that way. And I'm not just going to be, uh, you know, batch rewarded. I'm going to be rewarded and, and, and he's going to deal with me personally. And there's a sobriety that comes with that. But oh, there's a, uh, there's a wonderful blessing that comes with that as well. And he says his appearing, the one who will come and receive me. The one who's going to fulfill his promise, John 14, and he's going to come back and receive me. And he says this, this prize, this this crown that he's going to give is going to be to those that take pleasure in and look forward to, welcome with desire, long for, have a craving for his, for his appearing. And I, I'm reminded of 1 John 2 and verse number 3 that tells us those that have this hope within them of his appearing and looking forward to that, they purify themselves. They're, they're constantly readying themselves. They don't want to have any stain on their garment a, a bride that is preparing for the, the wedding isn't going to want to have any stain. I, they're not going to want to spill some cranberry juice on their, on their gown before they walk into the wedding. They're not going to want to eat some chocolate cake ahead of it and, you know, and get a smear on it. They're going to they're be constantly preparing, making sure they're, they're in complete purity. John says, when we have this hope that we're looking for it and we're loving for that, that coming, we're welcoming, that we're hoping that will be today, it's causing us to prepare our hearts and be ready for his coming. That's where Paul was. And he says, uh, henceforth, on that day, he's going to give me a crown of righteousness. Now, before we close, we got to get this. we got to get the beauty. Remember what I'm saying. Paul was an adoring servant. He was an adoring servant. He was one who longed to see his Savior. He was one who, who was, lived his Christian life looking forward to that day, to seeing him again. And he, he got a, a taste of him on the road to Damascus, but not in, a, not in, a, in a, the fullest of ways that he would in heaven. And, and he's looking forward to his appearing, being with him. And he says he's going to give me a crown of righteousness. Now there's five crowns that, that are given in the New Testament. And I just want to briefly touch on them, then you can uh, maybe take a picture of the screen or write these, uh, these verses down and go back to them later. But there's the incorruptible crown that is given to those that overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Every time you have a victory, uh, Brother Isaac, you talked about those victories, having that plan for, for escape. Every time, friends, that we choose to, to, uh, to, uh, to allow the Lord to give us victory over that sin and over that temptation, he, he talks about those that overcome will receive that incorruptible crown. Well, I want to I have that incorruptible crown. The, the righteous judge who sees every thought of my mind and heart uh, knows that I have, I have worked to honor him 
that I've strived to honor him in such a way that I've overcome the world, my own flesh, and the devil. 1 Corinthians 9, verse number 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, is self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. A crown, a reward that, that does not fade away. Does not fade away. We want that crown. We want to live this week in a way that is victorious over sin, over the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But there's a crown of rejoicing. This is the, the second crown, and uh, it is given to those that win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 2 and verse number 19, what is our, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not ye even uh, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Aren't you our crown of rejoicing? Aren't the souls that have won to the Lord the crown of rejoicing? Do you long to have that crown of rejoicing? Friends, this matter of winning souls and, and, uh, and proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ is, is a crucial matter. We're going to be judged on this matter. Every single one of us, not just pastors, but every single one of us will give an account on this matter. I want to receive that crown of rejoicing, but there's a crown of life. The crown of life will be given to those that will endure pain, but, but more specifically, those those who have been martyred for the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave their lives, James 1 and verse number 12 and Revelations 2 and verse number 10 speaks of these matters, those that have given up their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. They've allowed themselves to go to the execution and they've not recanted. He says, I will give, to, uh, give thee a crown of life, a crown of life. There's a crown of glory, 1 Peter 5 and verse number 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That is in the context when Peter's talking to the bishops, the, the, the elders of the church, the pastor of the church. And he says, listen, I want you to know when you do what God has told you to do, when you execute your, your duties faithfully and you execute your call faithfully, there is a crown of glory that will be given, uh, given to the shepherd, given to the pastor. There's a crown that can be, can be won in that way. I want that crown. But there's this crown of righteousness and this really struck me as, as just considering the life of the Apostle Paul. Why did he mention that crown? Why did he mention the crown of righteousness? Think about it. It's mentioned here only in this, in this, this book. Be given to those that have a hope for the second coming. They're, they're looking forward to the, the day of his appearing. They're looking forward to when, when Jesus returns and takes his own to be with him. This crown of righteousness. You know what's stirring to me about this? Is that Paul could win every single one of these crowns. He had, he had endured and he had been victorious over sin in his life. He had, he had won many souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. All across Asia Minor and up into Europe, he had won many souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. He would absolutely get the, the crown of life because he was going to be martyred in just a little bit. The crown of glory, certainly had, he had done well in leading the church and being a, being a shepherd in many different places, but why the crown of righteousness does he mention here in his last words? And I just submit to you tonight that Paul longed to see his Savior. And the most important crown was not just of all the labors that he had done for the Lord Jesus Christ and, and really rising to this, this level of, of giving his own life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but simply seeing his Savior. 
that was on his heart. The last thing on his heart was, I get to see my Savior. This is what I hope for. This is what I've lived for. This is everything that life has been focused for. Everything's been striving towards that way. And when we adore the Lord Jesus Christ in that way, friends, we can say, I'm ready now too. I'm ready. I've given my life. I've presented it. It's all yours, Lord. I, I've endured the pain. I've endured the fight. I've, I've gone after it in the right way. I've stuck to the race. But I've adored you most of all. I'm ready to see. I'm ready to go. Friends, it's an amazing thing when we can come to the end of our lives or live each day in this, this state of readiness. Readiness to see the Savior. The hymn writer puts it this way. And the sands of time are sinking. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, all the things in glory, but on my king of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's lamb. And I just hear at the end of Paul's life this, this sentiment. I've given him everything. I've endured what he's asked me to endure, but I want to see him. And because that's my heart, I know that on that day he's going to give me that crown of righteousness. He's going to, he's going to give me that crown to those that, that love and long for and welcome his appearing. I want to see my, my Savior. And friends, that's where we need to live our lives. Every day, don't wait till you're older to live your lives. Children, don't wait till you're older to live your life that way. Live your life now ready to see the Savior. Listen, you're going to be, children are here tonight, you're going to be judged just on, as much on your obedience simply to your parents as, as I am in my obedience to the Lord in my everyday life. If you should meet the Lord in the, in the next week, uh, you're, going to be, you're going to have to stand before him as your righteous judge as well. Whether you're a teenager or a child here tonight, it matters not. If you're a believer here tonight, the fact is we're all going to stand before him. Are we ready? Are you ready right now to see the Lord? You're, you're, you're uh, seven or you're, you're eight or you're 15. It doesn't matter. Are you ready to meet the Lord? These are last words of Paul. They're pretty significant. And they indicate there's a man that, that was ready to meet, meet the Lord. Are you ready? William Carey's last words were, when I'm gone, speak less of Dr. Carey and more of Dr. Carey's Savior. Susanna Wesley told her children on her deathbed, children, when I'm gone, sing a song of praise to God. Lady Glenorchy, and I don't know who she is, but it says this, if, if this is dying, it is the pleasantest thing imaginable. Edward Purnett, he was a pastor, he said it this way, Glory to God in the height of his divinity. Glory to God in the depths of his humanity. Glory to God in his all-sufficiency. Into his hands I commit my spirit. John Pawson, a minister as well. I know I am dying, but my deathbed is a bed of roses. I have no thorns plated uh, upon my dying pillow. Heaven is already begun. Adoniram Judson said, I am not tired of my work, neither am I tired of the world, yet when Christ calls me home, I shall go with gladness of a boy bounding away from school. Paul's last words. I'm ready. I'm ready. Friends, may we 
we had that same attitude and spirit, same testimony this week. And we can. And there's always the, the point to start, start again, fresh with our Lord. And maybe there's some things that, that aren't ready in your life. You can, you can take care of that tonight and be ready. Be ready. And let's have that, that same testimony as the, as the Apostle Paul. Let's ask him to help us with that. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for Paul's testimony. And Lord, I pray that we, your servants, would be ready. That the things that might need to be uh, dealt with, Lord, even the things that are out of sorts in our life, that we'd simply bring them to the cross, confess them, say the same thing as you say about them, and allow you to forgive us. Allow you to bring us back into right relationship again with you, full fellowship, so that we can be ready to see your face. And Lord, I do pray that you create in us a love, a love for your appearing, that we would live lives that are just impacted, driven, are directed by our love for your appearing. So we just implore you tonight in prayer as believers that you'd help us to be ready. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.